1: They can play a little safer, but they're not going to. Nix is back, throws downfield. Touchdown, Williams!
0: And welcome back to the Cover Three Podcast here on CBS Sports. That's Barton Simmons. I'm Chip Patterson. We are doing the Hurry Up Hot Seat Countdown. The top 25 teams in the CBS Sports 2020 preseason rankings. Stories all written by uh, the authors who are here on the hot seat. And today, back to the hot seat, we've got ourselves a real uh, a real Auburn homer here. we got to welcome <laughs> him in. There we go. Barrett Salih. <laughs> You're back
2: on the hot seat. What's up guys? How's it going? It's good and it's good. Loving these uh loving these quick podcasts and uh loving talking about actual college football. Like uh, things that might actually happen in a season that might happen in 2020. It's great.
0: The Auburn Tigers are coming into a season where they don't have the double dip at Jordan Hare against their two biggest rivals this is when they're on the road both times. So this is when, according to the narrative, we're supposed to see Gus Malzahn coach his way back onto the hot seat. Uh, are we on? How about Let's open up the discussion here. Are we on schedule for this to be another, um, a, another standard issue even year?
2: I don't think so uh, as long as what he says actually goes. And you said that, you know, obviously the Georgia-Alabama road game thing happens. Well, uh, they swap Georgia uh, to the middle of the season and get LSU at home during, uh, cupcake Saturday. So they actually go LSU, Alabama in consecutive weeks to close the season. Just so happens that the LSU games at home. Um, but no, I think the schedule's tough. There's no doubt, but I think because Gus went out and hired Chad Morris, that there's this sense around the program and talking to some folks around the program, um, you know, I think it's, it's pretty palpable that, Gus taking his hands off the offense is actually something that he's going to do this time. You know, every single time with Gus Malzahn, you you sort of don't really know what actually is going to happen and if he's actually telling the truth. Uh, but since him and Chad are boys, I think that this time you will actually see Gus Malzahn let Chad Morris do his thing and maybe focus more uh, of Gus's time on on head coaching things.
3: Okay, so you you're, you're buying it. All right, got it. You believe Gus Malzahn... And acknowledge that he's lied to us before. So <laughs> yes. I will. I'll. I'll accept you as the naive, innocent person that you are, Barrett, and and believe you that you do believe Gus Malzahn. That said, uh, I mean, ultimately, this season it feels like just sort of boils down to what that passing offense looks like, and so mm-hmm. there's a there's a couple of elements of that there is. What does a Gus Malzahn offense look like with Chad Morris running it, and then what does Bo Nix look like in year two? I don't know. I want you to tell me what are those two things going to look like? Is it going to is it is it going to look putt-putt in chips mm, in chips? That's words? right. Or is it going to look like a fluid, beautiful pass game? And Bo Nix is going to be dealing. What what are we going to what are we going to be dealing with?
2: I think it's going to look more like a fluid offense and Bo Nix dealing, and there are a couple reasons for that. One, um, you know, obviously, you know, starting as a true freshman stuff tough. Um, you know, he's he's going to have that experience. Two, I think Auburn's offense, even though it was very sporadic and struggled against good defenses last year, I, I think a lot of that had to do with the fact that yeah, Gus kind of lied to us, and he, he was all over the offense, and his attention was getting pulled in different directions and all that other stuff. But I also think that that internally they realized that they actually were very limited in what they could do because a booby Whitlow was not an every down back, but then B. And I think more importantly, even though that offensive line was experienced, they're not very good like those. And I know individually they were and individually the, the draft sort of proves that they didn't play good as a unit. They didn't the year before either. And, and I think, those two things, the, the running back situation, the offensive line really prevented Gus from doing what he wanted to do. And and now, you know, you have an offensive line shakeup. I get that. They're still talented. I think the the fact that you have a, a better running back group in in DJ Williams with a year of experience, Sean Shivers with a year of experience uh, and Tank Bigsby coming in, that you're going to be able to see to, ha- to them work off that play action, weave in more tempo. And allow Bo Nix to go find Seth Williams and go find Anthony Schwartz, assuming he's healthy, and and not running you know hundred meters somewhere other than the United States. I just think that you're going to see more balance, and that yeah, Gus was a problem last year, but he wasn't the only problem. And some of the things that might have been perceived as strengths really weren't strengths at all.
0: Okay, so I'm thinking about uh, what you were just talking about there, and I don't I don't believe that Auburn has elite wide receiver play right now especially going up against some of the best secondaries that you'll find in the country on their schedule like can you can you sell me on that wide receiver room being able to be difference makers because you I'm thinking about Chad Morris offensive coordinator for Clemson making Taj Boyd Getting him NFL (laughs) money. But the difference there was that that Clemson wide receiver room was elite. And like Chad Morris's offense with that Clemson personnel was fantastic. So if you can sell me on the wide receivers, then I might start believing in this Chad Morris, Auburn offense.
2: Well, I'm going to disappoint you because I can't, I can sell you on Seth Williams being really good, but beyond that, no. Uh, I think that they've got potential, you know, if, 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 if Bo Nix has enough time in the pocket, you know, hitting Anthony Schwartz deep is not that hard as long as it's on the money because Anthony Schwartz is going to get behind every single secondary. If they run fly routes with Anthony Schwartz, he's going to be open like every single time he's that fast. So, you know, that's not proven, you know, Matthew Hill, not proven, you know, those guys, they're, they're all right. That's, that's about all you can say about them. Uh, But I do think that if you have a number one who's pretty darn solid, he's not elite, but he's pretty darn solid. Seth Williams is a good player. Then, you know, you've got at least a decent foundation. But do they have the wide receivers to go? Um, you know, win shootout after shootout after shootout. No, they don't. And if they have to do that, then that's going to be a massive problem.
3: All right, enough of these enough of these softballs on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, they just lost the first-round pick in Derrick Brown. They just lost the first-round pick and in No ig, ig, Igbenogany. Igbenogany. Sorry. It's been a while since I've practiced that one. <laughs> Marlon Davidson, second-round pick. Daniel Thomas, fifth-round pick. I mean, that was the identity of their team. Was, yeah. It was basically Derrick Brown and Marlon Davidson, and then those guys on the back end. What, I mean – what do they do to respond to those kind of guys leaving? I know they've got some some depth remaining in the secondary and a few playmakers here there and there, but up front, how do you weather that kind of a loss?
2: I mean, I, you pray. I think that's job number one. Uh, beyond that, I mean, I, Tyrone Truesdale was okay last year. Obviously, Big Cat Brian off the edge is solid, but you, you've got to develop guys. They don't have anybody. like Truesdale's probably the only one that you can count on, and say, okay, that's my guy. Uh, outside of him, I mean, do you move T.D. Moultrie down and let him play more of a of an inside role? I, maybe you know they liked him at Buck before, and he just he sort of got lost in the shuffle, especially with Big Cat Bryant doing what he did. So you know, no, there's there's not really. Uh, anybody where you can sit there and trust uh, inside, um, and that I think will will definitely hurt uh, hurt Brian outside. I think the one thing though for them Barton that I think is is really solid is people didn't realize how good KJ Britt was at linebacker last year, and uh, you know Zacoby Zacoby McLean, the guy who had the hundred yard scoop and score against Alabama, and Freshman Owen Popo were pretty solid too. So the the strength not being up front. Uh, it hurts but they are really strong in the middle but the back end obviously is a problem too um you know I'm not sure Christian touch really that good he got exposed by Minnesota he's all right smoke Monday's good but you know yeah they've got some issues they're they're gonna count on some inexperienced guys and that's why it's really important for for them to play good complimentary football and have that defense step up because but if you if you're to gonna pick- if you what's that no you're good no, I mean, if you're gonna have um, if you're gonna have some receivers that aren't tough, I mean, look at what happened with uh, with Georgia last year. Their receivers were a problem. If Auburn has that problem, then are, are you gonna count on your defense week in and week out to be rock solid? I don't think you can do that for Auburn this year.
0: The uh, objection that you heard was me getting some late evidence into uh, into play. I hope the judge excuses it. So you have got Auburn at ten and two right now. Are you st- is that still your number?
2: That still is my number. Uh, it is
0: It is uh, wins it's, against uh, it's a very everyb- every, apprehensive. everybody other than at Georgia and at Alabama. That's a win against LSU at home. That's a win against Texas A&M at home. Wins against Kentucky, Mississippi State, Arkansas, Southern Miss, UNC, Ole Miss, and Alcorn State.
2: Yes, and and I think the the two that you sort of have to worry about is, are, are Texas A&M and LSU. They are at home. Obviously, it's a tough place to play. Um both of those teams I, I'm still sort of the, uh, those three teams Am LSU and Auburn it's just like throw them in a bucket and pull a name out. I you know you you're, you're pro, th- those two being at home certainly help Auburn but would I be surprised if they've lost at home now I mean not, yeah. not at all uh, because all of those teams extremely talented, um, experienced in some areas, I think flawed in others and then inexperienced in others. So I, you know, yeah, I think I ten and two when I when we did those those stories for Auburn, it was a very apprehensive ten and two, just like it was for LSU nine and three, just like it was for Texas A and M nine and three. You know, you kind of just sort of have to sign your name at some point and say, All right, this is gonna be it.
0: No, Go this I, I'll I'll stand I'll I'll definitely stand by that. I doing that exercise and having to not pick a win total over or under, but specifically call your shot for every single game. You get stuck with some weird results that you just gotta oh, live yeah. with. Yeah.
2: Okay. You kind of you kind of look at it and you kind of it's like a dog that hears a dog whistle. You turn your head and you're kind of like huh?
0: Yeah.
3: All right. Uh, so you're you're straight up pulling Gus Malzahn off the bungee ride at the, at the state fair. Like he's, if he goes 10 and two on a year where this is the hot seat year, this is another hot seat season. Then, and then he'll have Bo Nix coming back the following year. Rocket national
0: championship, (laughs) Tom.
3: Yeah. We're on the fast track there, brother.
2: Yeah. I mean, that probably would be the t- trajectory. I mean, that is not to say that'll happen, but that's, that seems like the storyline is going to, in my mind, anyway, play out, um, you know, and, and the thing with Gus, I, and I tell people this all the time and, and it's, it does. I, I don't think it resonates as well as it probably should. The pressure on Gus Malzahn is there, but he's been in a position where he's had playoff hopes, what, for the last six years in November. Something sure. like that. Yeah, I got you. Um, you know, and so, like, that's that's pretty darn good. And I think there's this idea that everything that he does and that any Auburn coach does is compared directly to Nick Saban. And that's not true. Like, it, it really isn't true. Now, for the older generation, it, it would be because Alabama's Alabama. It's big brother, little brother. But... I, I grew up in an Auburn household. My dad's old school. I went to school there in the, in the late eight, late 90s, early 2000s. And I've seen sort of how the fan base perceives success change during Tommy Tuberville's Fear the Thumb run and then winning the national championship in 2010 with a different sort of identity. I think Auburn people that are my age and younger understand that Auburn can win being Auburn. Like It can win being Auburn independent of whatever Alabama is doing, even if it's in the middle, which 2010 was and 2013 was, uh, of the Alabama dynasty. And so this idea that he's just on this consistently smoking hot seat, I think that's only true for influential people who are old, old school Auburn people because younger folks don't think that way.
0: Gus is one over the online community,
2: it sounds like. <laughs> well, he, that, that's impossible to do at times. That's though. true.
0: He is Barrett Salee. And... The ability. Man. <sighs> on fire over here.
2: Follow him on Twitter, <laughs> at Barrett Salee. Barrett Jim Patterson on the ones and twos over there. Thank
0: you very much.
2: See you guys.